welcome to today's edition of the Bradley Hall Show. I am your host, the Bradley Hall. All right. First, I wanted to just quickly say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you enjoy our content, please share it with friends and family or even strangers on social media and help us get the word out. We certainly would appreciate it. Also, if you are interested in finding out more about me and or working with me, please visit my website at www.thebradleyhall.com. Thanks again for the support, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome, Marcy. Thanks for, for joining us today. Absolutely. Yeah, so let's, um, let's start with, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, I am 44 years old. I raised six children. Uh, my youngest one is 16, so I guess I'm still in process of raising <laughs> children. Um, I'm a hospice nurse. Uh, I'm an artist that you see behind me are actually my own uh, paintings that I have done. Um, I'm very, very into health and fitness. Uh, I'm a CrossFitter, and today is the Open, so the first day of the Open. So I'm looking forward to the next three weeks, um, really getting uh, down and dirty with some hard exercise. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't, I don't know what that means. What is the Open? <laughs> um, the CrossFit Open is a worldwide. Um, competition, I guess, is the best way to put it for all CrossFitters all across the globe. So uh, everybody does the same workout uh, for the same day all across the globe. It's pretty exciting. Okay. Very cool. Is it, is it a competition or is it just like a, like a camaraderie? Everyone's doing the same thing kind of thing. I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> our, I'm sure it gets gym, competitive in the gym. Oh, Jim is kind of, uh, we've got three different teams working against each other. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so there is a ranking system that, uh, mm-hmm. you can see globally as well. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. It sounds cool. I, 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 I'm into fitness, but I never got into CrossFit. I don't know why I just, I just never did. It's just something I, I never, I went different routes, but, um, I know it's intense. I do know that. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long have you been doing yeah. that? Uh, a little over a year now. I've been in the gym since I was in my 20s. Um, okay. I always felt like I was hitting a plateau. Um, so this is really challenging. And I like the team uh, spirit that is involved with it. Uh, you know, working against each other. It's definitely competitive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. It makes a interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very cool. And um, aside from that, I mean, kind of a side note, actually how you and I connected um, you're, are you, are you a fitness model or did this, did the ink magazine thing just happen by chance or how did that work? Uh, it's a, I'll give you the brief story. Okay. <laughs> um, last year I came across the, uh, ad on Instagram. I have been kind of on and off throughout my life since I was a teenager trying to get into the modeling industry and, uh, it, it never really panned out for me. Um, but it came across my Instagram feed and I said, what the heck, why not? So I had a friend of mine do some, uh, pictures and I posted and, uh, did the inked competition last year. And, um, it built me an enormous following on my social media pages. So this year 
let me backtrack. That contest is also an international contest. Very, very unlikely to win. It's your better chances really with lottery. (laughs) Um, But I did it because, you know, again, why not? And um, also just because I figured it would give me a chance to get a little following and possibly some interest for some modeling gigs. And that's exactly what happened. I ended up meeting um, a man named Calvin who has a clothing line uh, called Banshee. And uh, I've been doing a little bit of work with him. And then through him, I met another photographer and that's really who I'm working with now. His name is Cato. Super, super cool guy. And uh, we're working at starting up a fitness thing. So uh, he's actually got some fitness wear from uh, a girl named Christina Sweats, who is going to have me rep some of her uh, products. So shoots to come. <laughs> yeah. So is the and for those uh, for those there are going to be a, a lot of people here that don't know what we're talking about. Inked Magazine is a tattoo magazine that had a, con- a, a contest and that's what you you submitted. Is that contest over? It is over now. Yes. It's an annual contest. Um, I did it last year and I was eliminated, I think in the top five round, um, this year I was eliminated in the top 10 round. Okay. So, and I may very well do it again next year. It's definitely a good builder. It's still, I mean, it's still remarkable. It's pretty impressive, especially both years in a row. Um, like you said, like winning the lottery and to advance that far, I, 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 I'm impressed. I, I really am. So, <laughs> um, congratulations on that. And it sounds like it's leading to bigger and better things. I can't wait to to see how that develops for sure. Thank you. Very Thank exciting. You. So the reason that we're here um is you have agreed to come on and discuss the topic of domestic abuse with me. Um for my show, I try. It's I really focus on holistic health. I haven't gotten too much into fitness and nutrition yet. It's kind of a big part of my life. So maybe we can have that conversation later on. Right now, I'm kind of I'm really in the the mental health mode of things. Um, I'm a trauma childhood trauma survivor myself. I'm a, I, I'm a trauma recovery coach. So I, I'm a life coach to people who are recovering from their trauma and help them them do that. So this this topic is very important to me. Um, and so this is the first time on my show that we have, we have, uh, broached this subject. Um, and you, through the, through our discussion, I knew with the inked magazine thing, I wanted to talk to you. And, and as, as the conversation developed, you shared a little bit of this. So I want to kind of, uh, kind of go through that. Um, do you want to tell us just briefly a little bit about your experience, you don't have to go into detail. We can, we can talk about that. Um, you know, I, I have some of the information we can go over, but you want to just kind of give us a brief synopsis. Sure. Um, you know, I think everybody has their water under their bridge. Um, for me, my father has been an alcoholic since the day I was born. Um, I've never known him, uh, to not be drinking. Um, so that has always been kind of a difficult situation for me. Um, he's not an angry drunk. Uh, he gets weepy and emotional and the pity party kind of thing. Um, when about eight years old, um, a sexual thing happened. Um, I don't know that he even remembers it, but I do. And, um, 
that was a big recovery thing for me. When I was 12, uh, it kind of all came to a head. I saw a counselor about it. Um, and over the years, I've really learned that that's my father's disease and I have to forgive him because anger and bitterness only hurt me and um, I can't fix him and it will never be what I want it to be. So um, I just have to accept things at face value. Um, fast forward a little bit. Um, I tended to pick poorly <laughs> in my relationships. <laughs> And um, I've, I've had several pretty not nice relationships um, in my past. Uh, again, alcohol and drugs were a big influencer in how those relationships progressed. Um, uh, a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of emotional abuse, uh, being told that I'm not good enough, that I'm not pretty enough, that I'm not smart enough. Uh, why did you do that? You're such a loser. Um, having things thrown at me, um, being thrown up against a wall, things like that. Um, I got out of it early enough. I was recognizing where things were going. And um, I decided that I didn't want that for me. And I certainly didn't want that for my children. Um, so I made the step to move out <laughs> and to move on and to cut the tie. Um, and I'll never, ever regret that. I've never seen uh, any therapists or counselors about the relationships because I guess through my nursing school, when we went through the abuse training, uh, violence, domestic violence training, um, because as a registered nurse, that's one of the things that I am supposed to be able to detect is elder abuse, uh, sexual and domestic abuse, um, and report as, you know, I find anything like that to the state. Um, so I learned a lot about myself and, uh, about the situations that I had been in, um, and recognized a lot, you know, the wheel of abuse, <laughs> uh, it looks like that wagon wheel, you know, all those signs of a potential abuser. Um, and I was okay with the fact that that was my past and I am moving on and I will never, ever put myself in that position again. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. There's, there's a lot there to unpack, um, ironically. And I think this is probably, uh, to a great degree, a lot of people share our plight. So my father is a recovering alcoholic, um, which he began recovering when I was in my early twenties. So through the, throughout my childhood where the, where the impression and the damage is done. Um, but, uh, I've been, I'm a victim of narcissistic abuse and of sexual abuse as a child as well. So we, we have those things in common. So I, I'm really glad we're talking about this. Um, because I'm sure a lot of people, when you begin to understand intergenerational trauma, a lot of those things are interwoven. If you have one, you frequently have another one come, come with it. Um, and it's something we just don't talk about. We need to talk about more of it. So, um, when you, I want to clarify a timeline. I, my hope is, is that through this story, 
that people are going to find inspiration and, and whether it's for themselves or someone they know. So I, I want to clarify some things that may not seem, may not seem important. Um, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll clarify them as we go. Did you, did you leave? Did you, did you work to break? Did you decide to break the cycle before the nurse training or was that an after effect, an eye opening? You at first you knew you had to do something and then you got into the nurse training and was like, wow, this is what happened. Exactly. Um, I actually, the situation I was in, in that, that relationship, um, we had moved from a bit big, busy area in Sarasota, Florida to a very underdeveloped area of uh, Northport where we were the only house on a street. Um, and there was nothing around. It's developed a lot since then, but back then it was, there was nothing there. Um, my car broke down. He wouldn't fix it. Uh, I quit my job to stay home with the kids. So I had no stream of income. Um, it just, I really felt like a hostage. <laughs> um, and I had to tolerate whatever was given to me because I didn't have a choice. That's where I lived and I didn't have a car and I didn't have money. Um, but I recognized something one night when we were on the phone uh, with some uh, accusations and some just the tone in his voice when he was speaking to me. I knew that if I did not leave, I was going to be beaten. I just knew it. I knew it in my heart. I knew it in my gut. I just knew it. And so I managed somehow by the, by the grace of God or whatever you believe um, to get a cab in the middle of nowhere on a Sunday night at midnight. Um, that doesn't happen where we live. Uh, yeah, there's right. no such thing as a cab right. on a Sunday night at midnight in the middle of nowhere. So I really believe that that was just the protection from a higher power, you know? Um, but I recognized it and I knew I needed to go. Uh, so then fast forward a few years, uh, I went to nursing school and that's where I started to see when we were going through all those, um, different chapters in our psychology books. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Now I understand. That's why we were living in the middle of nowhere. That's why I had no money. That's why I had no car. Um, and I, I, I mean, I don't regret the time because it was a learning experience and maybe my experience will help others. Um, but I really wish I had known those things. And I had listened to my gut from the get-go because when I entered that relationship, very early on in that relationship, I said to myself, this might not be a good idea, but I did it anyway. I, I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt. I wanted to not judge a book by its cover, so to speak. Um, but it panned out that my gut was right. And I endured three years of abuse that I really didn't have to endure. But I put myself there. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's break this down. Do you mind? Not at all. Um, there's so much here and it, it's so textbook. It, it, it's amazing, but knowing something and understanding something are two completely different things, which is part of what you're talking about. Right. So the, the, 
the intuition and 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 in addicts it's called a moment of clarity and and i apply that to the abuse cycle because the abuse cycle is an addiction in itself that's it's going way deeper than we have time to go today but uh uh we become somewhat addicted to the abuse and addicted is a strong word but it's comfortable it's what we know it's the cycle and so we tend to cling to it so we don't listen to the intuition that tells us the gut instinct like you were talking about to go um and we make up reasons why we shouldn't and the moment of clarity comes in when we finally it's it's always been there we just finally decided to listen to it i don't know why Human beings have a propensity to always listen to the bad stuff in our head. There's so much going on. And for some reason, we shut out all the good stuff and we only focus on the bad stuff. If I can figure out a cure for that, I mean, I do have a cure for that, but it's not instantaneous. So I can figure out an instantaneous cure for that. I'd, I'd be a rich man. But so that it sounds like that was what was coming into play here, that um, you, you'd had these thoughts, you dismiss them. You focus on other things. We have the amazing ability to sugarcoat anything. We can make oh. anything work in our head, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's an admirable trait. Admirable trait to see the best in in everyone, but at times, especially when we've been damaged and abused, and and that process is broken, uh, it can cause some serious serious problems. So, um, sounds like you hit. It sounds like you're rock. It sounds like you hit rock bottom, but and rock bottom is always the starting of the recovery. That's the the starting point for the recovery, right? But it sounds like you that you dodged a serious bullet here, and your rock bottom came before it could. It could have gotten a lot worse. Oh, absolutely, and I know it would have. Yeah. I know in my heart. Yeah. Well, uh, I. I know, I know you're thankful every day that you listen to that voice and that's, that's what people need to do. And it, it's so hard. It's so incredibly difficult to do it. It's so simple, yet it's, it's terribly difficult. So, um, and, and you had mentioned to me that you had vowed at that point to, to never repeat the cycle, that there was a cycle you had identified that was happening over and over. And you had made that that decision to not go through that anymore. Correct. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, it's for people, for the lay person who's never been through the training, you know, the person who doesn't understand the, um, signs and symptoms, if you will, um, that might be a little harder to do. Um, but, you know, having gone through all the nursing training, and I also did a actual, um, like a community program, like a community support person program. I don't even remember what it was called now because it was so long ago, but, um, I did all these trainings to support other women who had been through similar things. And that was part of our training as well. Uh, recognizing, uh, the potential abuser and things that, you know, that you would see with someone who was um, in trouble potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, so had- go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Well, so, and that brings me to, to another point. Um, so I've been in, uh, recovery. I, I, my, I had, I had built two lives 
And one was extremely successful on the outside and the other one was just an absolute disaster on the inside. And so my recovery uh, started probably uh, 16, 17 years ago. And the interesting thing is, is that, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in psychology. I began studying and that's why I do what I do now. But uh, I, I started studying for my own benefit before and started working through some things. But the interesting thing, and, and it, it helped me evolve, helped me understand exactly what you're talking about. The interesting thing is, is that every time I've taken on something else and, um, for example, I began when I began this trauma recovery coaching program, there's an organization um, that is is was created to inform mental health professionals specifically about trauma and really, really drill down and focus on that. When I began that program, I thought I was just going in to get the credentials to be able to do what I was already headed to do. Right. I thought I have done all this recovery. And I know so much about what's going on that I can give lectures on it. And I'm just going to go get the credentials. And man, I couldn't have been more wrong because when I got in, I just peeled back a couple more layers and layers, and there was still more there that I had no idea was there. And I have yep. now I, I have now come <laughs> to realize it's a lifelong process that as we mature and our, our vantage point changes and we see things differently. And so I encourage people, and I want to see what you think about this, to contain, not just get out of the dangerous situation like you did. You, if you've gotten out of that dangerous situation and not gone to nursing school, you might have ended back up in the same situation. Despite the fact right. that you were making decisions, you, you said you weren't going to, you didn't have the skills and the knowledge to do anything different. So the, I think the nurse training was a big turning point for you. If you were just done with it then and you never talked about it again, you never thought about it again, you never read anything, didn't have the conversations like this, I, you, you never get to peel back more layers. I think this is a lifelong journey. And, and so I, for people listening, it's not just getting in the cab and getting to safety. It's not just reading the book and saying, oh, well, that's why. Uh, mm -hmm. it's constantly at, to, at some level, constantly doing the work, never, never really getting, and, and there, you, we, ha we have to identify with the trauma. We have to identify with the damage. Right. We have to accept that we can't run from it. Some people just want to ignore it and pretend it's not there, but it's always there. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Um, there are some things that I still consistently, you know, the scars are there. I still struggle with some of the things um, that I endured. Um, you know, you take it one day at a time. And it, these things aren't things that are going to make or break me. But in terms of intimacy with my partner, um, there are things that just still make me go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, because of someone in my history that made me feel a certain way and made me afraid to be open in that way with somebody. Um, in a lot of ways, I, I feel sad about that. I keep trying to move past some of that. We've had frank conversations about why <laughs> um, I feel the way that I do. And, and my partner is absolutely okay with that. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it would be only fair to try to move past it 
you know? Yeah. Well, so, and there are two types, there are two types of, of responses to sexual trauma as a child. One is to shy away from certain things. The other is to become compulsive with those things. And, and, and there's a spectrum everywhere in between. And so anyone who's listening, um, who thinks, well, that, that isn't me at all. It may be the opposite, whatever it is, it's a normal reaction to an abnormal thing that happened to you. Uh, which brings me to the second point we have to, we have, we do have to approach it one day at a time and we have to do it without judgment and without expectations. If you think that you're going to be recovered in six months, you are in, you are sadly mistaken and in for a rude awakening. It just doesn't happen that way. And some days we move forward, we move forward for three days and then we may regress for two days, we may regress for four days. And then we have to come back out. We just, the, the trick is, um, my, um, the saying I use all the time is the problem is, is not falling off the wagon. The problem is not getting back up and getting back on the wagon. Right. And that's, right. that's what we have to remember. And, you know, just be gentle as we're, as we're doing the work. When you got in the cab, how scary was that? Well, I was taking three small children with me in the night <laughs> to a place I'd never been before. <laughs> so I was, I was terrified. Uh, but at the same time, I was more terrified of what would happen if I stayed. Um, I just, I'm not willing to get my face beaten. <laughs> you know, I'm not willing to have broken limbs. Uh, and, and I know the difference between love and abuse. And, uh, and I always have known that. Um, so I, I don't know where the strength came from. All I can say is that I'm so grateful that I had it at that moment and that I had the strength to not go back. Yeah. I I think, I think that's critical for anyone listening that, that it's going to be terrifying to some degree, but you have to have, you have to have some faith that, um, right. I mean, I had no money. I had no car, had the clothes on my back. And, um, and that's it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not only just bad enough, you had to worry about yourself, but you had, you had children you had to worry about as well. And I, I know this is a common discussion with domestic abuse. Um, and that's why, and all of us, all of us put up with things because it's comfortable. We'd, we, all of us would much rather deal with stress in a situation we're comfortable with then deal with the fear of the unknown. That's just human nature. Right. And I, that comes into play here. And um, right. so I, I, I appreciate you. Um, share. Now you, you also mentioned um, that you learned to love yourself and um, through this process and you learned to trust your intuition. We talked a little bit about that, but um, can you tell us about that? That this is something that, that a lot of people struggle with and being able to, to love themselves enough to make positive decisions in their best interests. That's a tough question because I don't really know where the starting point was. I think one of the major starting points of course, was getting in the cab. Um, and from there, just being in healthier relationships with friends and and romantic partners. Um, I did see a counselor for a little bit. Um, 
afterward, but I don't know that the counselor really helped me with much other than helping me sort out my thoughts. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, when your mind is busy and you're uh, drowning with so many different ideas and thoughts and fears and uh, whatnot, it's sometimes hard to really find a, a good place of clarity to make decisions. Um, that are healthy ones. <laughs> um, because my father was an alcoholic, I did not want anything to do with alcohol. I, I mean, I do, I won't say I'd never have a drink, but I'm, I'm not a regular consumer of alcoholic beverages because yeah, I just completely understandable. like how people are under the influence. Yeah. Um, I worked in the bar business for a long time. Uh, don't like how people are, you know, when they're inebriated. Uh, so, so that's never been a real struggle for me. Um, substance abuse, same thing. You know, I just, I don't, I like to be in a place where I can think clearly where I can be in control. And I think having been in abusive situations, heightens that desire <laughs> to be in control uh even more so um things like going to the gym were incredibly therapeutic for me because it gave me not only a way to get out some of my anger <laughs> um but it also gave me a way to build my strengths and there's strength that you build in the gym that's beyond physical strength. Uh, there's a mental strength and toughness that comes with pushing to that next level. Um, and I think that that was incredibly therapeutic for me to know that, guess what? I am strong enough to do this thing that I desire to do. Uh, CrossFit continue, continually does that for me, uh, even more so. Um, I think also when I, I'll have to give you a little bit of background so you understand. Um, when I left that relationship, I lived on my own for a little while with my three children. And then I, be, I became involved with another relationship and we had a combined household, <coughs> excuse me, of six children. So I raised six children. Uh, my uh, three and then his two, and then we ended up having one together. Um, and in that time when we were together is when I decided that I needed to go to nursing school because I can't live on a waitress's bartender's wages for the rest of my life with six kids. So, <laughs> so I went to nursing school and I was terrified. Um, I never believed in myself academically. Um, I always was a very strong D average student in high school. Um, so going into the advanced education was, it was a terrifying experience. I didn't have any faith in myself at all. And somehow I ended up being a great student and I ended up second in my class for my LPN by a tenth of a grade point. <laughs> um, and then I went on to my RN and I was, uh, I think my GPA was like 3.98 overall when I graduated with my RN. So uh, that was a huge uh, confidence booster, believe in yourself booster. You know, I'm smart enough 
I can do this. I have these skills. I can help people. I can take care of people, you know, it's, and I'm an outside of your box kind of person. If you didn't already notice by how I look, yeah. uh, you know, most nurses don't have dreadlocks and tattoos and facial piercings, but you know, I think that, I think it's where I belong. Yeah. Yeah. I, what an incredible, what an incredible testimony. Um, you, you are everything that, that I preach, right? So I didn't start college until 35 uh, and now I have three college degrees and I'm working on my fourth and my fifth. I'm a master's in psychology and a PhD in psychology. I'm in a, a program for that. And the things that I've learned outside of the classroom far outweigh what I've learned in the classroom. That's exactly what you're talking about. And the, the interesting thing is, is that I, I do a lecture called owning your experience and it's exactly what you're talking about with your fitness you know, the painting, the painting as well, I think you probably have some talent that, that the majority of people don't have, but it doesn't matter how much talent you have, the painting can still be cathartic and you can still learn oh. to paint and, and express yourself. The that education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was an angry day. <laughs> oh, okay. The, uh, those are good. Uh, you know, uh, I, because anger is a very real emotion. There's a reason we get angry. There's a reason I tell people all the time, like, I can't stop crying or I'm trying not to cry or whatever. I'm like, there's a reason you, we cry. So you might, might as well cry and, and take your anger and put it on canvas. I think, I think that's perfect. The, but the owning your experiences is that especially abuse victims live a life of victimhood and they don't realize they're intentionally playing the victim. And when I say they, I mean, we, I fit into this category and it appears that we're being destructive and that we're in, that we are in control. We're making these decisions, but all of these decisions, these bad decisions are reactions to what's going on around us. And the, the momentum switches when we finally own the experience and we start deciding to make decisions for ourselves. In your case, not only getting in the cab, but going to nursing school, in my case, starting college um, and, and, you know, pursuing the whole psychology side of things. And, and so it doesn't matter if it's going to school, if it's starting your own business, if it's decorating the house the way you want, you sit down and you plan and you design you go to CrossFit, whatever the case may be. I did triathlons. I did um, the Spartan races. I did the trifecta in, in one year. And, um, and, I, and I actually did a triathlon and then did a Spartan race seven days later. And oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did the triathlon and then I did the 14-mile uh, the Spartan race um, seven days later. And I had been sick. up. To, I hadn't trained for like two months before that. I, I I almost vomited during the Spartan race, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but the point is it's, it's taking those things that you've always wanted to do and whether you're afraid or not and making a decision to do them and, and building upon that, building your confidence and your understanding. And that is, that is the start of taking back control of your life because you, we learn we learn to think it's a different thought process than rather than, you know, I find it interesting. I don't really find it interesting. I find it textbook that 
you don't drink alcohol. You have an alcoholic father who suffered abuse of, and then you went and worked in a bar with a bunch of assholes you didn't want to serve alcohol to. Now, you probably would have never, ever thought there was a correlation there. But now that you're outside looking in and we're talking about, it, I'm sure you can see there's a complete correlation. And oh, now you don't, do, you don't do that anymore. You went and now you take care of people who need help. Right. Right. That's right. owning your experience. And I, I, I think your story is an absolutely amazing. It's even more amazing than I thought it would be when we first started talking about you coming on the show. And for with your, your painting talent, your perseverance, the things that you've done uh, with fitness and with nursing and all of these things that you've done. Would you ever have believed the voice in your head 10, 15, 20 years ago that told you that you could accomplish those things? No way. <laughs> no way. Uh-uh. No. No. I thought I was going to be waiting tables at Denny's when I was 55. That's what I thought I was going to be doing. Yeah. Oh. Um, and a lot, I mean, there's much more to my story even than than what we've discussed. You know, sure. my mother and I don't have a very strong uh relationship. Um, and a lot of how I feel or felt about myself at one point was, um, was directly related to that relationship, you know, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not talented enough, you know, nothing I could do would ever be good enough, uh, to gain that respect or that approval from my, from my mom. Um, my father, on the other hand, it was easier for me because he had a reason, you know, he was, he was a drunk. So it was easier is, I should say is, um, it's easier for me because I know he has a disease. So it's almost easier to just dismiss his behavior in a way because, well, he has a problem, you know, and he endured some terrible childhood abuse and trauma. Terrible, like the worst I've ever heard of kind of trauma. So, um, so I understand him, you know. Not that I agree with it. Um, I think every person has the right to either stand up and move on and take responsibility for your life or to play the victim, like you were saying, and the poor me card. And why did this happen to me? And why is my life so bad? Um, we all have that choice. Even without abuse, we have that choice. We can be the victim or we can rise above and say, I'm going to succeed and I don't care what anyone else thinks. And that's me, that I'm that person. Um, I wish that my mom and my dad would see me the way that I see me because I really, I view myself as a badass. I do too. That place. Um, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I've accomplished. I'm proud that I raised six children, two of which were not my own and their mom was a drug abuser. You know, I'm proud of the fact that I take care of people when they're, you know, taking their last dying breath and that I can comfort their family. Um, I'm proud that I can go to the gym and lift some serious weight and, you know, and endure that. Uh, so. I think we, it's just, you have to make up your mind. That's all period. Yeah. You have to make your mind to get in the cab, <laughs> you know? And, and you have to, under, and for anyone listening, you have to understand that you can get in the cab. 
it's you have a the mindset. Right. The victim, people think that being a victim is is a conscious choice and it's not. It's it's unconsciously trained behavior from being abused. And maybe not even abuse. I mean, our school system is set up to just train drones that are just do what they're told. They sh- they go here when they're told. They do this when they're told. No one can make their own decisions. And so uh, there, there's there's that. We're all subjected to that environment as well. But the point is, is that you can get in the cab. You can make that choice. And that is the shift that we're talking about from the victimhood. Most people don't even know that they're victims. Um, and, and you brought up a great point about about your parents. Um, both of my parents also have childhood issues that I think are significant to their behavior, which subsequent, this is intergenerational trauma. This is uh, one, someone suffers trauma, then they have children and they unknowingly pass that along. And that can come in, in a couple different ways that come can come from not acknowledging how the trauma is affecting your behavior and you treat your children like you were treated, or it can come from overcompensation. I'm not going to be like this my parent was. So I'm going to go to the far extreme and do this, which causes a completely different set of problems, which is part of, of my childhood experience. Um, so, you know, the, the key is, is to find balance and understand with intergenerational trauma that there's a reason that people treat us the way they treat us. This is a completely different conversation for another day, which... <laughs> <laughs> which, evol- which evolves into forgiveness, which is not a word that people who've been abused want to hear it. Right. And rightfully so. It's the next logical step after ownership. Once you start to understand, you start to take control and not be the victim anymore. Your mindset shifts. Eventually it shifts to the point where you can start to not demonize the people who abuse you and see right. what they went through. And um, and that's a critical step along the way as well that I think people should get to, which some people reject that because they they think that forgiveness means just you let them get off scot-free and let them do what they want. No, forgiveness comes with understanding and compassion for what they went through, but still having the ability on the ownership side to be able to set a, a healthy boundary to protect yeah. yourself. Correct. Um, there's a lot of work that goes in between A and B there, isn't there? Tons. <laughs> <laughs> I went a lot of years being very, very angry. Um, and then I just decided, you know what? The only person that I'm hurting with my anger is me. My mom doesn't know that I'm yeah. angry. That's and right. she doesn't know that I'm angry. And my dad doesn't know that I'm angry. Um, the only person I'm hurting is me. That's right. And so I've I've learned that they are who they are. I'm not going to change them. They're always going to be who they are. And I can either accept that and forgive them and and let them be who they are with like you said healthy boundaries or you know, or I can be miserable. That's right. <laughs> That's my choice. That's right. And I've chosen to set up those healthy boundaries. Good for you. You know. Good for you. Uh, it's it's this shift again that we're talking about. It's seeing that people, and, and you know, you mentioned that you you want your parents to see you like you see you. They can't. I can't see you like you see you. You can't see me like I see myself. It's impossible. And when our identity is completely hung up on the approval of other people, 
we will never be happy. It cannot, it, there, it will not work. It just, the dynamic, the, the dynamics are not there for that to work. We have to invest in ourselves and, and, and just accept that some people, some people don't like us and we don't know why even the people that we, some people don't love us. Some of the people we love don't love us. And we have to, we have to accept that and move on. Have you, have you, um, have you ever read the book, the four agreements? No. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. You, you said that you're not a big I- reader. So. You, you read you read enough nursing textbooks. You're done, right? <laughs> Even nursing school, I got through that with lecture and YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, I I understand. I understand that completely. Um, well, so I think it's amazing. Um, your story is absolutely amazing, and I appreciate you sharing. I know that you um, not aside from nursing and 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 caring for people who who are sick and need help. Um, you also, um, mentioned that you, you donate, uh, you donate household goods and, and clothing and thing to, uh, to a program, a local program. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Um, the program is called care, uh, which stands, it's an acronym. It stands for, uh, center for abuse and rape emergencies. Um, and they have a couple of different thrift shops around town, um, where you can buy whatever for really next to nothing, but I, anything that I give, I give to them because every penny that they make off of their thrift sales goes directly to the families that need that help. Um, and I can't express to you how important that is to me. Uh, that's when you're leaving with nothing, but your clothes on your back to seek safety, um, having a place that you can uh, tap into a program like that to get clothing for your children or, you know, assistance with housing or an electric bill or whatever. Uh, that's huge. <laughs> those, those little things become huge things. So, you know, my, my secondhand clothing could be something really meaningful to somebody. And that to me, that's, I don't have a ton of money, but that is something that I can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I like that. I think it's a great point, you know, um, and I've been guilty of this myself, just giving to larger organizations that I've, I've heard of that everyone knows of. And then learning later that some of those larger organizations, uh, they're, they're paying their CEOs very well and they're not paying the people to work there and the money's most of the money's not going to, uh, to help people as much. So I think, I think that's awesome. I think there's a valuable lesson for anyone listening. Um, you know, take the time, kind of dig around, even if it's not an abuse shelter, which right. obviously we know is critical there. If you're passionate about something else, find a local organization, um, that, that you can help and donate your stuff, even uh, time, right. if you have time and money, yeah. fine, but if not, um, like you're talking about <laughs> the stuff. Yeah. Right. For all of us. Um, <laughs> But even just donating stuff you would have normally thrown away can can go a long way and help people. So I, I appreciate you you sharing that. Um, and again, thank you for coming on and modeling, um, being the change. You know of 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 sharing the struggle. Uh, you know it's not just a happy ending. Uh, you, you know you it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears oh, to absolutely. get where you are and. Um, I just I appreciate your transparency and your vulnerability and, and your willingness to to share with other people and 
if this, if one person hears this interview and it changes their life and it was, it was all worth it. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. We can edit some of this out. Do you, do you sell any, any of your artwork? Is there anything you want to plug? You got a website or anything you want to plug here in the end? Um, I don't have a website. I do have a page on Instagram and on, um, Facebook. Okay. Tell, uh, tell us, for tell, us where we, tell us where we can follow you, uh, on Instagram and Facebook. Okay. On Instagram, my personal page is, um, Mar Marcy core, M A R C Y C O R R is my tag. Uh, and on Facebook, I'm just my name, Marcy core, you know, okay. Uh, on Instagram for my art, it's femcore art, F-E-M-C-O-R-E underscore art, A-R-T. And then uh, on Facebook, I also have a femcore art page. Um, I'm not real active right now with the art just because with COVID, things have been so crazy in the medical field. Um, I'm hoping 2021 will yield a, a few more pieces. <laughs> yeah. We'll see happens. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. And, uh, I will, I will do a blog post on my website as well. Um, with this interview and with, with, uh, the links to your Instagram and, and anything that you want else you want to throw in there, just let me know. And we'll put that up for anyone who's listening, who wants to check it out. Okay. Sounds okay. great. And, um, as we explore, I may send you, uh, I may contact you if I've got another couple topics that I want to go deeper in and you're interested. I'd love to have you back. Absolutely. I'd be glad to join you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, again, I appreciate it, Marcy. Um, it's been, been a, an amazing conversation. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please remember to uh, share with your friends. Like, share, subscribe. Check us out on YouTube and uh, be sure to check out my website www.thebradleyhall.com and until next time, we'll see you then.